Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hey, writers, it's Sandy. Thanks so much for listening to part two and the conclusion of the incredible story of television writer Elizabeth Finch. Last week, I told you about Elizabeth Finch, a writer, co-executive producer on Grey's Anatomy, who used her various life dramas and illnesses to fuel her writing. In part one, I told you about how Elizabeth survived a rare bone cancer and helped to clean up her friend's body, who was one of the victims of the 2018 Tree of Life synagogue tragedy, where 11 people were shot and killed. Back at Grey's Anatomy, Elizabeth pitched a storyline for the character Joe Wilson, a young surgeon on the show. The pitch was, after meeting a patient who's a rape victim, Joe starts confronting her own past as an abused wife and learns that she's a product of rape. Elizabeth said that this was based on a friend. This was 2018, and Elizabeth found it very hard to write the script. So she requested six weeks off of Gray's so she could check herself into a mental health clinic in Arizona. Once in Arizona, Elizabeth called herself Joe, the name of the Gray's Anatomy character. Elizabeth meets a woman in her process group by the name of Jennifer Bayer, who had been in the facility for six months. Jennifer is a registered nurse from Kansas and was doing everything possible to be able to see her five children alone again. Jennifer was married to a man named Brendan, who over their 18 years of marriage abused and raped her. To the outside world, Brendan was a great guy and doting father. In December of 2018, Jennifer was driving with the two youngest of her boys. Jennifer pulled her car over to the side of the road, opened her door, and just started walking. After a few minutes, she kind of snapped out of her fugue state and called the police. Jennifer told the police what she did and asked for their help in finding the boys and her car. The next day, Child Protective Services requested Jennifer come in for an interview. And Jennifer did, and she repeated her story. Jennifer was then charged with child abandonment. So Jennifer entered the Arizona mental health facility so she could prove she was a sane and fit mother. While Jennifer was working hard to get better, her husband, Brendan, was arrested, tore up an emergency room, and all five kids were sent off to foster care. They were there a couple of days, and then Brendan's mother was able to collect them. Elizabeth slash Joe and Jennifer started talking, and they clicked. 
Elizabeth slash Joe suggested they become roommates. And that wasn't something normal for people in same process groups to become roommates. But the staff could see how beneficial the friendship was to Jennifer's healing and okayed it. While dealing with the Tree of Life trauma, Elizabeth slash Joe started to talk about her brother, Eric, and for the very first time began to say he was violent to her when they were growing up. Now, Jennifer had her husband and Elizabeth Joe had Eric. It brought them closer. Also, the fact that Elizabeth slash Joe had similar issues as Jennifer gave Jennifer some comfort in a strange way. After all, if someone like Elizabeth slash Joe, a big time writer from Hollywood, was having troubles just like her, maybe she wasn't crazy after all. During a family weekend, in front of Jennifer and others, Elizabeth slash Joe's mother, who was told by Elizabeth to call her Joe because she was hiding her identity, that Elizabeth had cancer. Everybody was kind of surprised to hear this. Elizabeth told everyone she didn't want to talk about it. Meanwhile, Carly, the therapist, had been in possession of Jennifer's phone and had been receiving all kinds of angry texts from Brendan. When one message said, I'm coming to get you, security around the facility was increased. Then Elizabeth claimed Eric was closing in on her. Elizabeth's parents had left a family photo album, and inside the photo album, Elizabeth said she found a handwritten letter composed by her brother, Eric, threatening her. By July of 2019, both women were ready to leave the Arizona facility and head back to their homes. Elizabeth went back to work and Jennifer moved into a shelter and she was unable to see her kids except for one hour a week under supervision. Future court dates with Brendan terrified her. So Elizabeth asked Jennifer to come stay at her house in California for a while, telling her the house was in Ojai and it had a big gate at the entrance. Elizabeth told Jennifer it was Anna Paquin's house, but that she owned part of it. During that weekend, the two women fell in love. Jennifer went back to Kansas and to the shelter, and Elizabeth sent texts and sentimental gifts to her. The two talked about a future together. In September of 2019, Jennifer had another court date with Brandon, and to help with the stress, Elizabeth flew her to Los Angeles. Jennifer got a phone call from the Kansas Department of Children and Families, DCF, in Topeka saying, your husband has killed himself, your children are safe. Elizabeth told everyone at Gray's Anatomy she had an emergency and immediately flew back to Kansas with Jennifer. Elizabeth met the kids for the first time. Two weeks after the suicide and still in Topeka, Elizabeth wrote to the writing staff of Gray's Anatomy. Hey all, I've been absent 
and coming back tomorrow. I just don't know who's looped into what, and I'd rather put it out there so no one's in the dark or feeling eggshelly. I've gone because my brother died by suicide. He was on life support for a short while, but ultimately did not survive. I say this not because I need or want anything from anyone. I'm not a delicate flower or whatever. I just want people to know I'm still here, still part of the team. I intended to just power through my episode shoot, but I recognize I needed to take a bit of time away to process. Elizabeth had two worlds she was committed to now, one with her girlfriend and another with her Grey's Anatomy family. Elizabeth took Jennifer on a trip to Hawaii saying it was a work trip while she told Grey's Anatomy she was going to Hawaii because she had to reunite her dead brother's illegitimate Filipino baby with the baby's mother in Hawaii. On a visit to Elizabeth's apartment in Santa Monica, the women entered to find the apartment a mess with empty alcohol bottles. Jennifer got really upset and told Elizabeth getting her kids back was the most important thing. She couldn't be around someone who drank. Elizabeth said Eric must have broken in and trashed the place. Then later said Eric had gone to the Philippines and per a legal order, he could not return to the States without Elizabeth being notified. In November 2019, Jennifer's kids came out of foster care and they were reunited. On Thanksgiving, Elizabeth proposed to Jennifer In February 2020, the couple got married on the beach in Palos Verdes. COVID in the marriage happened at the same time. Elizabeth's health worried everyone. Back at home, Jennifer began scrolling through Elizabeth's Facebook and discovered she'd been out with a friend when supposedly cleaning up her dead friend's body. Then Jennifer found pictures of Elizabeth with a bandage that was supposedly covering up a port scar. Jennifer knew Elizabeth didn't have one. And when Jennifer was looking closely at the bandages, she could tell that the edges were all lifted, which would let in an infection. Remember, Jennifer's a nurse fear began sinking in. After a while, Jennifer asked Elizabeth, what kind of medications are you on? Elizabeth listed them off. Jennifer knew one of the drugs to be extremely toxic and that any doctor prescribing it would need to be supervising that patient regularly. Elizabeth wasn't under such care. So, Jennifer said so. Elizabeth admitted that she had at one time had cancer and that she had got chemo and recovered. But she loved the attention so much she continued to pretend to have it. Jennifer asked, so you had chemo once? Then where's your port scar? Elizabeth was caught. 
Jennifer unloaded what she was suspecting. I know you were targeting me, marrying me. I think you yourself wrote that threatening letter from Eric. I don't think the details about the shooting were real. Elizabeth replied, yes, yes. But Elizabeth maintained that she was a victim of her brother. Jennifer told Elizabeth she couldn't live like this, keeping all this to herself and that she needed to confide in someone. Jennifer then reached out to Carly, the therapist she adored in Arizona, but Elizabeth had hired Carly to work with her. Carly had started a private practice. She relied on Carly's reports to show the courts that she was stable and fit. Now, Elizabeth had Carly's ear, and who knew what she was telling Carly? Jennifer then re-entered treatment in March 2021, feeling she had to make it work with Elizabeth, who could legally retain visitation rights or petition for guardianship of the kids. Her therapist advised that if she wanted to remain in this marriage, she had to draw a line in the sand with Elizabeth. Jennifer and Elizabeth went on a week-long marriage intensive. There, Jennifer told Elizabeth that she could not live a lie and that Elizabeth had to tell the truth to her parents and her core people of childhood friends and L.A. friends. Elizabeth promised she'd do it. After a while, Elizabeth began to own up to her lies. There was no cancer, no friend killed in Pittsburgh, but she held on to the allegations against her brother, Eric. Elizabeth would not come clean to her coworkers, and when Jennifer refused to let up the pressure... Elizabeth announced she was divorcing Jennifer. Jennifer asked Elizabeth to tell the kids the truth and say goodbye, which Elizabeth did with a therapist present. In February, Jennifer received a forwarded email from a friend of Elizabeth, where Elizabeth was telling them about her brother's suicide days after Brendan's. That was it for Elizabeth. She found Shonda Rhimes' email address and sent her a message. Please stop letting Finch tell her stories anymore because they're other survivor stories. Shortly thereafter, Elizabeth got a call from Disney HR. With rumors about Elizabeth now swirling, the folks at Grey's Anatomy started checking the internet and quickly learned that Eric Finch was alive and working as a doctor in Florida. They reevaluated everything, like Elizabeth's wild laughter in the room when she said something tragic. Was she laughing at them for believing her? Elizabeth Finch was put on leave of absence from Grey's Anatomy. But ABC is no longer investigating her. Elizabeth and Jennifer are still in the midst of divorcing. Elizabeth isn't talking, so the full story isn't clear. Reps from Shondaland told The Hollywood Reporter that only Elizabeth can speak to her personal story. 
In response to the Vanity Fair article, Elizabeth's attorney, Andrew Brettler, contends that not all of Jennifer's claims are true and asserted Jennifer was neither reliable nor unbiased because the two women are in the midst of a highly contentious divorce. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Verne. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.